Hey, this is Brian Golden. I am the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast and thank you for taking the time to listen. And I just want to let you know if you are in the greater Tampa Bay area, we would love to have you join us at one of our gatherings. And here's the thing about Centerpoint. Our vision is really simple. We want to be an alternative to church as usual for all people. And that just means we want this to be a safe place that welcomes everybody. Doesn't matter what your background is or really where you're at on your faith journey. And so if you want any more information about our gatherings, go to our website at centerpointfl.org. And then most importantly, whether you're a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just in that place of investigating faith, I really hope today's message encourages you and really helps you to find life and freedom in Jesus. Um, this is the final part of this series called Start Over. And my name is Bryant, the lead pastor. Did I say that already? I just want to introduce myself um, to you. Um, in this series, that was awkward. Um, in this series, we're talking about, like, what do you do when you got to start over? And all of us have those moments in life. So um, it might be a new job, a career. It might be you're hurt um, from somebody in your past, past relationship. You got to move into a new relationship, new semester, um, new school, new sorority, whatever it is. But all of us have to start over with things. And specifically where we want to do things differently or there's some things from our past that we don't repeat. The big question in the series has been, how do you ensure that your next time is not like your last time? And there's some big things that you got to do because here's the deal. Most of us, when we're coming out of something from our past, we want to start over too soon. And so what we've begun to look at the last couple of weeks is there's three things you got to do in regard to wanting your past to be different. The first thing is you got to own your past. Even if you've been hurt, um, yeah, come on, you bring it already. I'm only five minutes in, but I like it. Um, you you got to own your past because you cannot blame your way into a better future. No matter if it was 90% their fault, if you are going to set yourself up for success for the next time, you got to own it. The second thing we looked at last week is you got to rethink it, meaning whatever you walk through in the past that you want to do differently, you have to hit the pause button at some point along the way before you just roll into another job, another career, another relationship, another whatever, without asking yourself this question, what was I thinking back here? Meaning... All of us, including me, we've got decisions from our past that literally five years later, somebody would ask you, like, what were you thinking? When you, like, I don't know. Like, we don't even know our own rationale for making our own decisions. And so you literally have to get to the bottom of, no, 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 for real, why did I do that? Because if you think the way you've always thought, you're going to do what you've always done. And, and with the best intentions, you're going to repeat tomorrow what you did yesterday. So you got to own it. you got to rethink it. And then I'm going to land the plane on this today. you got to be able to release it. If you're ever going to move forward, and that is way easier for me to say than it is for any of us to do, so I get it. But you've got to release the past so that the past can release you. And if you're ever going to set yourself up for something better in the future, I think for all of us, I think everybody in the room, we literally have thousands podcasting, listening via unfiltered radio. I think we all share this commonality. There's something, there's some stuff that at some point along the way you've got to release in order to move forward. Now, Here's what I said in week number two, and I sequentially kind of set this up for a reason, that in week two, I drew this little thing and said, in anything from your past, as I just said, you have to own it. And generally, when you start looking at your past, this is how much you think you have to own for all of us. So no matter what it is, it's like, well, it was 3% me and it was 97% them. But, but you got to own that if you're going to move forward. And here's what we said. If you don't own your part of your past, no matter how small it is, and I get it, the emotions are such that you don't want to deal with that. They were such an idiot. If you were in my industry, they walked out, she lied about me, stole out my idea, sabotaged the whole semester. I get it. All the emotion is there. It feels like, why do I need to own anything? 
But as we said, if you don't own your part of your past, you will smuggle your issues into your future. Every relationship, every job, every interaction, like it's just all coming with you. But here's the other side of it. If you don't, after owning it, if you can't release what has been done to you, you will smuggle somebody else's issues into your future. Like, just like owning it smuggles your issues into your future, not releasing it smuggles somebody else's dysfunction, somebody else's junk, somebody else's baggage, somebody else's whatever into your future to influence every part of your life. So you have this little carry-on bag that's not even yours, but you're carrying it from season to season as long as you don't release this. And for some, it's why marriage number two looks a lot like marriage number one. They're like, well, you're just like your mom, you're just like your mom, and you're, first, you're just like your mom, you're just like your mom. You're just like, why are all these guys idiots? And why do they all say the same thing? All your dating relationships are starting to look the same. Like, this is going to be a fun message, huh? Um, but, like, there's some things that's just kind of deja vu. Because if there is stuff that you haven't dealt with and released from your past, I'm just telling you, you're smuggling it. That was dangerous. You're smuggling it into your future. So let me ask you a couple really insensitive questions real quick. Because I know that if, you're, if there's something that's real fresh and real raw, I feel like you guys can't see this over here, but it's not a big deal. Um, there's a lot of emotion around, there's a lot of hurt around that, that, that what I'm going to talk about for a few minutes, I get it. Just kind of, it brings some stuff to the surface. So just go with me for a second. But let me ask you a couple insensitive questions, potentially. Uh, the other week I said that I wasn't a great counselor, and I had somebody come up to me after the service. He's like, I can see why you're not a great counselor. Um, so I just... I, I own that. That's why we have a counselor on staff, so I don't have to do it. So, um, so here's the thing. I just want to ask you, how far into your future do you intend to carry the angst that was created in your past? And, and I use angst because it's more than just anger. It's, it's anger. Sometimes it's anxiety. Sometimes it's fear. And I get because You're like, no, no, no. If you heard my story, no, no, I get it. If I heard your story, I'd probably be like, no, no, you get a pass. I understand, but I'm just telling you, and I know you don't think you have any control over this, but how far into your future do you intend to carry the angst that was created, the anger, the anxiety, the fear that was created in your past because of what somebody did to you? Let me ask you another insensitive question. How far or how long will you allow the people who mistreated you to influence you? How long? And they don't have to be in your life. They, they maybe are in a different state, a different country, they're across the world, but they're influencing you every day. How long? How long do you want them to, to continue to influence your, your marriage and your career and your dreams and what you say yes to and no to in areas where you're prone to play it safe because of what's happened in the past and, and there's kind of a limp because you've never dealt with it? How, how far into your future do you want to allow the people who mistreated you to influence you? And I, again, I was like, well, I don't have any choice. It was done to me. No, no, it was. But, I, but you have more choice than you realize. Let me ask this question. This may be, be more sensitive. Have you ever met somebody and in meeting them, they're like, man, that, they're just legit. Not that they're perfect because that person doesn't exist, but you're like, man, their marriage, they seem to have it together. They just have their junk together. And I don't care what age you are. Sometimes you just meet people like, I want to be them in five years. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I want that. I want what they have. I want their level of peace. Like, they just seem like, man, they figured, they, they figured a way to kind of have it together. And then what's really interesting in some of those interactions is you get 
to hear their story, like their real story below the layers that most people don't get to hear. And I, I get this a lot as a pastor. I get to hear people's stories. But what always fascinates me is somebody like that that I look at to go, man, you got it together. And then I hear the story from their past. And I hear a story of dysfunction or betrayal or hurt that sometimes I can't even imagine some things that had been done to them, they were lied about. And then I look at their life and I go, what has happened to you? And the way you live your life does not seem to match. Like it doesn't seem to add up. And here's the thing, because of what I do, I always ask the question, how did you get there? How, how do you have that kind of life? Because I'm telling you, I watch a lot of people and if they had gone through what you had gone through, heck, if I had gone through what you had gone through, I think I'd be in perpetual counseling the rest of my life. How are you living so free? And I'm just telling you, there's one common denominator and one word that they all say, and it's this word, decided. Decided. I decided that my past is going to remind me, but my past is not gonna define me. I'm not, listen, it's going to remind me, meaning, you you can, come on if you want, yeah, you can come, you don't, I'll give you a second, you don't need permission, it's going to remind me, meaning, listen, I don't want to be that kind of boss, I I don't want to parent that way. I don't want to lead my kids down that direction because I've seen what it's done. I don't want to do this to somebody else. I want to be this kind of person. So it's going to remind me and influence me, but it is not going to define me. I have a really good friend that, I mean, you just, you want to be around this person. You you want to model your life. Like, man, what you have, I just, I want that. I want that level of commitment. I I just, I want to, I want to be that. And if you were to hear their story, and I'm not going to tell you their story, but if you hear their story, like the, what they've walked through, I'm telling you, it's like, it's one of those stories you sit down and like, you should just get a pass. And where they're at now, it, like, it's phenomenal. And, and I just remember them asking them, like, how did you get to this point? And it was, it was just so simple. They, they used the word literally that I, I just said, like, there just came a, a point in my life where I decided, I just decided that there isn't enough unavoidable pain in my life that I'm not, I'm not going to add to it. And I I made the choice, and again, I know that seems like uh, insensitive maybe because of what you've gone through, but this is is their words. I made the choice that I am not going to lug their baggage any longer, and I'm not going to smuggle their issues any longer into my future. And so I just decided, yes, they got an issue, yes, they were wrong, yes, they're guilty, but I'm not carrying their stuff any longer. And my past is going to remind me, but my past is not going to define my future any longer. I'm going to live free. And so what I want to tell you is you have the power and you have the potential specifically as a follower of Jesus, because I think that's where the fuel comes from, to decide, as unrealistic as that seems in the moment, that you don't have to carry this forever and that God can free you for your future. And so there's a guy that we've been looking at a lot in the series by the name of Paul. He has the epic start over experience where he went through so much stuff and then came out of that. And literally there's about a 15 year reset with him. And so he understood this and understood the emotions more than just about anybody. And he writes to these um, Christians in this place called Ephesus in the first century. And he talks about this whole dynamic and says, like, listen, if you're still carrying some angst, let's just be straight. A lot of people in this room are, a lot of people watching, listening. If you're, if you're carrying some anger, if there's some fear that you haven't been able to let go of, if you're still lugging somebody else's baggage into your future, like, here's what you need to do. 
And Paul says this, this is so brilliant. Even if you do not believe the scriptures, you should read some of this because it may begin to change your perspective and lead you to Jesus because what Paul writes is absolutely brilliant. I said this before, and his insight into human nature is just crazy. And so he says this, like, if you're carrying some anger and some angst from your past, here's what you need to do. In your anger, do not sin. Meaning, there's some stuff where somebody told you, you don't need to be angry or you shouldn't be angry. And you just need to go, no, 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 I'm angry and I should be angry. <laughs> like they did it. They betrayed. It was a big deal. It hurt me. And so I have every right in the world to be angry for what they've done, been done, what they have done, what they did to me, whatever I'm trying to say. You know what I'm talking about. They hurt you. And so in the Greek, literally, it's, it's this imperative. It says, be angry, do not sin. Be angry, do not sin. There are certain things, because you're made in the image of God, you understand what justice is. Like, in fact, if you're a skeptic, um, and I'm so glad you're watching or listening, um, here's, that's one of the questions that you should consider. Why do I feel some of the things that I feel? Like, survival of the fittest, it shouldn't really matter what we do to one another. But why are there certain things where I go, that ain't right, you shouldn't do that. It shouldn't happen that way. Because you have the image of God in you that says there is justice, something shouldn't be done, people shouldn't treat other people that way, and that's bigger than just environmental. And so when you've been hurt, when you've been betrayed, when somebody's lied about you, when somebody's stolen something from you, you're gonna be angry. And so Paul's like, be angry, don't sin. If you've got kids, you might relate to this. If you have kids one day, I think you'll relate to this. There are moments where your kids make you so angry, and I love my kids, but if I were to say they don't ever make me angry, that would be a lie. They make me very angry sometimes. And my, yeah, thank you. You don't ever say amen, but when I talk about being angry at your kids, you're like, amen. <laughs> your old school Baptist background starts coming. Amen. You're waving a hanky. Um, so... My, my boy the other day, like just big time, I won't even tell you which boy, I got three now. So this is, I got stories for years and I can just mix them all up. You won't know who I'm talking about. But my boy, just massive disrespectful moment. And it's just those ones where, and they're not that old, but they already know. And so like it went down, I won't tell you the detail, but it went down and immediately I'm angry. And, and you know, do you ever have this like, and I, I haven't always got this right, but where you know that it's a defining moment and if, you, if you're about to react in that moment, it will be a defining moment that you'll think about in terms of your parenting 20 years down the road. You're that angry, you, angry, you know what I'm talking about? So in that moment, I'm so angry. I didn't even say anything to him. I just walked around, walked away, walked out of the front door and just started walking across the lawn. Like I can't even talk to you right now because if I react in this moment out of my anger, number one, you're not gonna sit in any corner to think about anything. There's gonna be a device that's gonna inflict pain and I'm not in the place to do that right now. And so you just need to know if I were to react in this moment out of my anger, I'm gonna be sinning all over the place and it's gonna follow my parenting for the next 20 years. Like there's those moments where you just gotta know I'm angry, but I got to make sure that out of that anger, I'm not sinning, but it's okay to be angry. And so Paul's like, in your anger, do not sin. And then this is, do not, meaning you have more power than you think you do. This is proactive. Hey, don't. Yeah, but they, no, no I'm not talking about them. I'm, ta I'm talking about you. You don't. You have the potential. You have the power. I'm not talking about them right now. Listen. For some of us, and I'll move on. I think the greatest tragedy is that we've had somebody do something to us 
And then our response has been to hand our happiness off to them. And they've been holding on to it for the last 17 years or seven years or seven months. And we're going, as soon as you get your junk together, as soon as you see clearly, as soon as you recognize, as soon as you come apologize, then I can get my peace back. And it's affecting every relationship and every season and every circumstance of your life. And you're carrying their stuff that you do not have to carry. And you have inadvertently handed off your happiness to them going, hey, you tell me when I can get that back. And Paul's going, nobody controls your peace, your contentment, and your happiness, specifically not the people who hurt you. And you have the power to do something and not to do something to set you up to release the past and to get your happiness and joy and peace back today, whether they ever get it right or see what they did to you, because it's not about them, it's about you and what God has for you. And so he says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And for most of us, we've been taught, do not go to bed angry, make sure you get it solved before you go to sleep, terrible advice. Bad advice, terrible advice, really bad advice, because there are some things that cannot be solved in a night. There's some things that cannot be reconciled in a night. My wife and I, two weeks ago, this is me being real transparent, like we had uh, one of our worst fights in a while as we're getting ready to teach a relationship series. It was like, it was a... (laughs) And we, we, like, we fight less and less um, over these years. I mean, we really do. Where's my wife, right? Like, we, we fight less and less. Um, it's generally pretty civil. Um, on my side, it's not always civil on your side, but... But, like, we've gotten better. But, like, this is one of those ones where we hadn't had a fight like this in a while, and it was, it was bad. I'm not going to give you the details of the fight, uh, but, you know, like this was me and this was her and I was trying to get her to see that and, and she, she thought the same thing. But it's one of those where you are trying to make progress and there's no progress to be made. A lot of times we have fights, we can kind of, we've learned how to fight, we can back away, we'll talk about this in the series and, and you, can, you can kind of see clearly and move on. This wasn't one of those fights. She was not seeing it my way, I was not seeing, her, seeing it her way and it was just, we would try to talk about it, we would get mad and then we'd walk away. And a little bit later, we try to do it again, and then we walk away. And my point is, if I was just under the, the notion of, I got to make sure that I solve all of this before I go to the bed, I'm only going to exaggerate the problem sometimes. Like, we knew ourselves to go, this is going to take more conversations, and we need to make sure we get the temperature level down here, but we're not going to solve this tonight. Because if I try to solve it in a night, I know me. I would just go like sometime before I go to bed because I'm just going, okay, literally, I got I to gotta solve this before I go to sleep. So, babe, I'm just going to apologize for the point zero 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 one percent of this that's my fault. Good night. Like that's what I would do. And then we'd start on the crazy cycle all over again. So here's what Paul's saying. There are some things that can't be solved in the night, but here's the literal translation. How many seasons are you going to carry it? And how many relationships are you going to carry it? How long are you going to lug this with you? Another career? Another semester? New town? Same issues? Like, like how long are you going to carry this? How many sunsets are going to come up and go down before you decide? Really? Well, but, you, but you don't understand what's been done to me. No, I don't. But Paul's going, it's possible. Do not, you can decide, let the sun go down while you're still angry. And I'm just telling you, Paul is so brilliant because his insight into human nature, verse 27, and do not give, literally, do not gift, 
Do not gift the devil a foothold. Now, here's the thing. Foothold figuratively means don't give an opportunity. But here's what's really fascinating to me. Literally, foothold means this. It means um, a slanderer. It means liar. And it means deceiver. In fact, in some of your English translations, depending on the translation, that, that'll actually be the word. You won't see devil in there, and it's not a mistranslation. It's actually a more accurate translation. It's where knowing some of the original helps you out, the original text that this was written in. But it literally means slander, liar, deceiver. So some of your Bibles will, will literally say that. Do not give the liar or the deceiver a foothold. Now, what's really interesting, go with me for a second, is that um, there is a word, there's a Greek word for Satan. And Paul doesn't use that word. He uses this general term that just means slander, liar, or deceiver. And so I think Paul's main point is not, you know, the devil or Satan, though inadvertently, because come on, the enemy will use anybody or anything to try to sabotage your life. But it's way more specific than that. He's going, listen, do not let the person who lied to you, do not let the person who stole from you, Do not let the person who sabotaged you to have a foothold. Literally, foothold means a staging ground, an office, a room for rent. Do not let the enemy, do not let the slanderer, the liar, or the deceiver to have permanent residence in your life, your heart, and your mind that you're taking with you into all of your future. Don't give them a staging ground. Don't give them a room to rent. Don't let them have an office there. And so literally, here's what Paul's saying. This is really how you should interpret this verse is, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give Frank a foothold. Whoever lied to you, deceived you, slandered you, did something to you in a big way, don't let Bob get a foothold. Don't let professor whatever get a foothold. Don't let whatever ink get a foothold. Don't let that group get a foothold. Don't let your ex get a foothold. Do not give them permanent staging ground. I love to just throw out names because inevitably those are some of the names. You're like, oh, it is Frank. Like the Holy Spirit is speaking to me today in a really big way. So, so that was for you. That was the Holy Spirit. If Frank or Bob or Lisa or Troy or I'm just keep throwing out names for you right now, um, like did something your past. He's going, listen, this isn't about ethereal Satan. Who's the person? And, and you know this, sorry, you know, I know your answer to this question. Do you want to give them permanent residence in your future? Do you want them to continue to smuggle their issues through you into your future? But here's the promise. It doesn't matter what your hopes are, what your dreams are, what your intentions are, how long you pray. If you don't deal with the hurt from your past, it's gonna have a permanent place in your future. And so it's why Paul says, listen, don't let the sun go down, meaning you need to do something about this as quick as possible, and you've been deceived thinking that you couldn't do anything because you're waiting on them, and Paul's going, you don't have to wait on them any longer. They are not holding the power in this situation. If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus has all of the power. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus canceled your debt. Jesus walked out of a grave alive. Jesus has a future and a destiny for you, and so you have the ability through his power 
to decide. My past is going to inform me, but my past is not going to define me. My past might inform me, but my past is not going to conform me. My past might inform me, but it is not going to control me any longer. And it may help me make better decisions for the future, but it is not going to control my future any longer. And I have the power through Jesus to decide in this moment, I'm going free regardless of what you do. And I'm releasing your baggage that I've been smuggling into my future. We're not doing it anymore. Basically, Paul's like, anger has a place, but keep anger in its place. There's a place for anger, but keep anger in its place. And then he says this, it's so good. In verse 31, get rid of, meaning do not, earlier in the verses, get rid of. You have the power to do this. You can either be a victim or you can have victory, but you cannot have both simultaneously. And yes, the hurt is real, but the hurt does not have the power to sabotage your future unless you let it. And so he's going, okay, so I just want to tell you, you've been waiting for somebody else to do something. I'm just telling you, get rid of it. You have the ability. Get rid of all rage, all bitterness, all anger. Yeah, yeah, I will when they apologize. Their apology will not take away your bitterness. And some of you have been waiting on an apology to affect and redirect your emotions, and it's not going to happen. He's going, this is about you. Get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all anger, get rid of all rage, get rid of all brawling, all slander, along with every format of mouths, whatever else you're carrying right now. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And in literally in this context, or I've heard this before. Okay, just hang on a second. Forgiving in this context literally means pardon. And you know what pardon is. Pardon means you are guilty. You did do it. I'm not going to make you pay. It's not saying it wasn't a big deal. Not saying there wasn't hurt. Not saying that you didn't deserve it. Not even saying you don't deserve to pay. God handles justice. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to make you pay because I can't anyway, and it's only destroying my life. And so I'm going to pardon your guilty. I'm letting you go free because I know to break the chains of the past from my future, this is the only way. It's to forgive. It's to cancel the debt. It's to pardon. And you're like, yeah, 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 I want to, but they don't deserve that. And God's going, no, they don't. But I think you deserve that. I think your future family deserves that. I think your spouse that you haven't even met deserves that. And you're going to carry this stuff into that relationship and they're never going to know about it. And it's going to break the intimacy. I want your career. I want your future for the kingdom. I have a destiny and a will for your life if you're my child. Don't let somebody else sabotage that. And then what he says next, man, if you're not a Jesus follower, you're off the hook. You don't have to do any of this. You never signed on to the Jesus thing. Glad you're investigating. Glad you're here. Glad you're listening. But if you're a Jesus follower, I think this is, I don't know how you do this without what Paul says next. I don't. But this is kind of, we're on the hook for this. Regardless of what our story is, and he says this, be kind and compassionate, verse 32, Ephesians 6, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. What's the next two words? What's the next two words? Just as Christ and God forgave you. Paul's going, I know it's legit. I know the pain is real. I know you've walked through some stuff. 
but I'm asking you to do exactly what Christ has done for you. When you didn't want anything to do with him, when you had spent a decade running from him, when you didn't really care, and I decided in spite of you that I was gonna pardon you. You are guilty. I'm not gonna make you pay any longer. I'm gonna allow you to go free and I'm not gonna live waiting for you to get it right. I'm pardoning you. I'm forgiving you. And so that power is the fuel, is, is the driving force and is the passion for why you can do what Christ has done for you for the sake of somebody else. Like, have you ever been on a plane? You've probably been on a plane, but... Maybe you haven't, but you, you know about this. If you're on a plane, has anybody ever had the oxygen mask drop on a plane? Raise your hand real quick. All right, that's not a lot of people, but already that's disheartening. Uh, that's, a, that's too many. Um, but, you know, they always give the instructions that most of us ignore, and this is, uh, this is not a full mask. It's, it's not even legit, but they're hard to find. Um, just like my last series, they wouldn't give me vials of blood. So what I want for props, they're, you can't get. Um, but the thing about it is they, they have that whole thing of, like, if it drops, you know, cabin pressure's low, whatever, and you got to, you know, they tell you how to do The first thing they say is, like, you got <laughs> to breathe normally. Like, if this thing drops, I'm probably not breathing. <sighs> like, that's how I'm breathing in that moment. But you got to breathe normally. And then they tell you this, this strange counterintuitive, like, it doesn't make sense. And specifically, if you, like, are flying with kids, this is, this is against any parenting instinct that you have. But you know, like, what they instruct you to do next, right? If this is dropping, we have legitimate problems. You got to, like, you got to get this mask on, and you got to start to inhale before you do anything else. So even if your kids are right there, like, you got you to take care of you. For, because if you pass out, you're no good to anybody. And so you've got to put this thing on. You've got to begin to inhale. And then you've got to, um, like you've got multiple kids. You pick your favorite kid and you start working in. <laughs> and everybody's got a list, so I know exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, you know, it, you, you, you have to inhale before you can exhale anything and before you can help anybody else. And I think the same is true of God's grace. And until you... Until you exhale it enough to understand what you've got, you're never going to be, until you inhale it enough, you know what I'm talking about, until you inhale it enough to be able to exhale, you're not going to be any good to anybody else, and you're not going to be able to help anybody else, and I don't think you're ever going to be able to do what Paul's talking about here. This is the only way. Only when you start to inhale everything that Christ has done for you, that this is in spite of grace. It's not because you got it right, because you saw everything clearly, because you made up for your past mistakes. Jesus is going, I came in and rescued you in spite of all of that. Like you need to understand, what, you need to inhale what I've done, that God does not factor your sin into a relationship with Jesus. He freed himself of all of that. I'm not waiting on you. I'm going to forgive and pardon you anyway. That, that literally God and his future relationship with you is not going to be defined by your past sin. And it's only when you start to breathe the thing, this in, because I think after a while, we start to think that we are better than we really are. And then there's those honest moments every once in a while where we're staring up at the ceiling, where we know us in ways that nobody else knows us. And to think that we have a God that's not just tolerating us. He looks at us and goes, I love you. I like you. I want to do life with you as my son, as my daughter. And I ran you down with my reckless, scandalous, unrelenting 
venting never runs out love. And I decided to forgive you and pardon you before you ever moved in my direction. And you need to inhale that enough so you start to bring the temperature down and you can exhale it to somebody else. But until you recognize the power of the grace of Jesus in your own life, you're never going to be able to extend it or to give it to anybody else, but pardoning unchains you from the impact that somebody else can have on your future. So you want to go free? You want to, you want to set down the carry-on of their dysfunction that they've been smuggling through you into your future? You want to experience peace? You want to set yourself up to ensure that your next time is not like your last time? And I know your childhood was bad, and I know you got a story, and I know what they did was wrong. By the power of Jesus, they have no claim on your future. And so you got to pardon as you've been pardoned. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I think this is why the invitation of Jesus is so amazing, that if you would ever believe that Jesus came literally and he lived a perfect life, we believe Jesus was perfect, only perfect person because he's God that ever existed. And he lived the life you couldn't live and then died the death that all of us should have died for our sin on the cross. And we create scales of sin, but God doesn't. It's just all sin. And there's a perfection of Jesus. And he died for all of that sin. And then he walked out of a grave. We believe in history alive. And the scripture says that when you place your faith and trust, not in your ability to to earn your way to God or clean yourself up so you're good enough for God, but you just trust what Jesus has done for you. That's grace. It's undeserved. That literally in that moment, you become a son and a daughter of God and all of the, the worth of Jesus, all of his righteousness, all of his pardoning is present in your life, regardless of what your life looks like. And when you receive that pardoning, it gives you the, full and the fuel and the power to pardon somebody else. And so I would just say this. This is my practical application. You need to go first so that you can go on. And some of you in this room, via radio and podcast, you handed off your happiness and your peace and your contentment to somebody a long time ago. And you've been waiting on them to give you permission to get it back. And your Savior says today is the day that you can get it back. And it's not contingent on them. They may live the rest of their life in dysfunction and hurt and cycles of shame and guilt and things that they may never get unwound from. But you have the power through Jesus to release it anyway and go, I am gaining my happiness and my peace back and I'm not waiting for your apology. I'm not waiting for you to see. I'm not waiting for your clarity because you may never get that. But I'm moving forward to walk in the peace and the contentment and the joy that God has for my life. And you are not going to control my happiness any longer. So I'm going to go first so that I can go on. And I'm going to allow God to do what he wants to do in you. Can I just give you real specific, and we're going to start to land this plan. I've been teaching this for years. Probably every year I come back to this idea because it's been so powerful for me personally, for our marriage. But you, you got to realize this, that in every hurt where there's something to forgive and something to release, it's as if it's a debt-debtor relationship. You know what I'm talking about? Like in counting, you have a ledger book, and there's somebody, somebody's taken something, or something's been spent out, and so somebody owes, and so there's there's... There's debt-debtor relationship there. And in every time there is something that you're carrying from the past, it's a debt-debtor relationship. In a sense, somebody has stolen something from you and they owe you. And the best thing that you could do 
is to decide what somebody owes you. Like literally make a list of what that person owes you. Like literally make a list. And this is going to dredge up emotions. This is going to bring some things to the surface that you don't want to bring to the surface. But I'll tell you why. Because some of you initially when I start talking about this, you go, no, 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 I already forgave. And it didn't work. Because you forgave generally. And you never forgave specifically. And if you're smuggling somebody else's issues into your future, you have to know exactly what those issues are. You have to know exactly what you're forgiving. You have to know exactly what they have done to you that they need release. And until you do, it still has power over you. And so you need to decide, listen, you stole some stuff from me. Not physically, but because you walked out, you stole a first marriage from me. Because of what you said about me, you you stole a entire semester from me. Because of what happened, you stole my innocence. Because of what you said about that project in our office, you stole my integrity. Because of what you did to her during that season of my life, I feel like you stole my teenage years. I feel like you stole that business out from under me. what, What did they take? What did they steal from you? Because he walked out when you were 11 years old. I feel like they stole my childhood. But in everything where you're carrying something from the past, there's a debt debtor relationship. Somebody owes. Somebody stole something. And you got to figure out what that is. And I'm telling you, it is so powerful. You get out a journal. You get out your phone. You get out a piece of paper. But you are, you're specific. And this is why it takes more than a night. This, This is why it can't be solved in one sunset. It may take a minute. To go, man, what is it? I've never been specific. And I don't really want to, I don't really want to dredge up those emotions. But listen, I'm gonna do it because I want to release those emotions and I want to go free. So what do they owe? And here's the power. Here's the power of that. When you get to the place to go, this, this is what it is, and I'm, I'm just telling you, you'll start and your list will be longer than you can imagine. And as a follower of Jesus, the power is. Not that you're not guilty. Not that I'm gonna minimize the past and what you've done to me. It's a big deal. Might sever the relationship, might need to be a boundary. This isn't about reconciliation. You're guilty. You did it. You owe. But I'm not gonna make you pay because I wanna go free. And so I'm gonna close the account and I'm gonna pardon you just the way Christ has pardoned me. And listen, you know this already. But there's some things, and maybe a lot of things, that you're never going to get paid back for anyway. Your mom can't come and tuck you back in bed. You can't get that freshman year back. I mean, you can do it again, but all the stuff that, w- that happened during that time, you can't replay it. You can't get your childhood back. You can't get a first marriage back. You can't get that season back. You can't do 2005 over again. So how crazy, and I don't mean this in sense of how crazy, that we would live our life trying to be paid back for something that we can never be paid back for. Why spend our life trying to get somebody else to pay for what they cannot pay for even if they wanted to? So Paul, Jesus, says you you can do this by the power of Christ in you. You pardon as I've pardoned you so that you can go on and you can go free. And I just wanna say this real quick because I think it's so important as we end. 
I started this series with release it or actually own it because until you do this, I think you're gonna have a really difficult time letting go of all this. And so you've got to come to the place to own your part of your past before you can really move on. And listen, I know it's going to be difficult because whatever this is, if there's really legit hurt, it's hard to focus on what you've done because the emotion is so high. Why would I focus on me? Like, do you know what they did? Do you understand the scope of how they hurt me? Do you know how this affected our family? Do you know how I'm trying to recoup in terms of my self-image and my self-worth all because of what they did in that moment? Like, why would I focus on me at any level? But I'm just telling you, if you don't own, no matter how small it is, your part of your past, you will inadvertently live your life behind the fog of what's been done to you. And you'll never have clarity. But when you are able to own, no matter how small, what's been done or what you've done in the past that you've been blaming somebody else on, it will move the temperature down. It will give you clarity like never before. And at that moment, you're ready to release, no matter how bad it is, what's been done to you so that you can go free. And in that moment, your past will remind you, but it won't define you anymore. And it will remind you but it will not control you anymore. You've got to release the past so that the past can release you. And what all of us want is peace. But peace begins when your demand for payment ends. And so as we close, I just want to end with this and I'm done. What story do you want to write? Because there's stories and there's angst and there's, man, all over this room, all over the place, those who are watching and listening. But what story do you want to write? Because nobody has the power to write your story for you. I don't care what they've done. And maybe if you would embrace Jesus as your savior and begin to follow Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe this is the day where you decide that I am not going to carry this any longer. And I'm deciding in this moment that I'm not taking this with me into another season of my life so that eventually I can get to the place where people look at my life and go, man, that there's something about you. There's something attractive about you. There's something different about your life because you're living within the rhythm of your will and God's destiny for your life to change the world, to be the father that you've been called to be, to be the wife that you've been called to be, to be the parent that you've been called to be, the boss you've been called to be, the industry maker that you've been called to be, the whatever that God has placed on your life. And this is sabotaging you from all that he wants to do through you. And so you decide today, I'm writing a new story through the power of Jesus so that when people look at my life, yes, this happened. Yes, they did this. Yes, that's how they went down. Yes, it was that bad. But because of Jesus, I decided I was gonna let it go. And I'm in this place now because of what Christ has done for me. And I just did that for them. And I'm living free. I wrote a new story. I'm living in the destiny that God has for my life and I'm not going back any longer. And so I just wanna say this as we end, why don't we in this moment today as we end, why don't we defy the enemy who has no power to steal your future and keep you shackled in the past unless you give him permission? You have a God through Jesus who walked out of a grave alive and has given you all of the power that you need 
to overcome any person, any hurt, any anger, any angst, any anxiety. And so he says to you today, by the power of a resurrected Savior, why don't you decide? Not because you have the willpower, the discipline, but Jesus has it for you. And he is waiting with your destiny and will to use your life. And so you decide in this moment, I will not smuggle your issues into my future any longer. And God help you. God will deal with you. But I'm doing what Christ has done for me. And I'm moving forward. I'm living free because it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I'm not carrying this any longer. So I'm releasing the path so that the past can release me. And I'm going to begin to step in to all that God has for my life. Let's defy the enemy today and take back your peace and take back your happiness and begin the road toward God moving you to a place of full-on health, full-on healing. Full on wholeness. Would you stand with me all over the house? Jesus, I know the emotions in this moment are all over the place. And so God, with, with, with all of the, the grace that you can bring in this moment, I, I just pray that you would, you would give people the courage to, to face what you're bringing to the surface. And realize what you have on the other side. That on the other side of this, that your, your joy, your peace, even your happiness is waiting for them. And so God, give us the courage that we need. Give us the strength that we need. And God, lead us to do right now in this moment what you are asking us to do. Not just for your glory, but for our good. And God, I pray among hundreds, even thousands of people, I just pray that the, the chains of the past just begin to fall. And that we would release it so that it would release us. And I pray for the first time in a long time that where we've been carrying some stuff that we thought we had no choice but to carry, that the burden of that, the weight of that, the hopelessness of that, would just begin to be crushed under your love and your grace and your hope for our future. And I pray this in your incredible name, in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.